and I want to make sure that everybody gets one. Did, did, does anybody need a listening guide? Back in the back, all the way back there above the red. All the way, just keep your hand up for a second. These are helpful. They help me to stay on track, and they help you to stay on track as well. And so um, I hope that you'll follow along this morning as we continue our series on getting past our past. Getting past my past is part of what uh, God wants to do in all of us. He doesn't want you living in the past. He'd like for you to uh, live in the present by His grace. This is a little bit loud for me up here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my voice carries anyway, right? So you don't have any trouble hearing me. But um, God doesn't want us to live in the past. He wants us to live in the present with a hope for the future. And too many of us get stuck in the past. Uh, we're walking around with burdens from the past and guilt from the past and labels from the past and unforgiveness from the past and all this stuff, and it just weighs you down. Uh, you can't live that way. God doesn't want you to live that way. And one of the evidences that God is at work in your life is that you stop focusing on the past and you start focusing on what he's doing right now in your life. You start realizing his forgiveness. People who are in a right relationship with God experience God's forgiveness. Forgiveness is a dominant part of their everyday walk. They're not only being forgiven, they are forgiving others. They are about making relationships work. And the reason they want to do this is because of the experience of God's love in their own lives. You see, when, when I am in a love relationship with God, when I know how much He loves me and cares for me, when I know how good He's been to me and how He's blessed me, it is much easier for me to be forgiving toward other people. But if I always feel like i got a dirty deal, then guess what? You're not getting a good deal either, right? I, I don't want you to be happy if I'm not happy. So if you're hanging around people that are really miserable, chances are they're wanting you to be miserable too. And that's all caused by our unresolved issues of the past. You know, first week in the sermon series, we were talking about labels and how we get labels You'll never amount to anything. You're the person that couldn't handle money well. You're the guy that's always had a problem. You're the angry one, right? And you get that label, and all of a sudden, you're bound up by that label. And now everybody expects you to behave that way, so guess what? You start behaving that way. <laughs> it's really bad. Those labels are just awful. And God doesn't want you bound up by labels. He wants you set free by His Spirit. When you realize that you're a child of God, that your past has been taken care of by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the sacrifice that God made on the cross 
through his son Jesus. He paid for your past. I've got really great news. He's paying for your present. And he's already paid for your future. But when you realize that, then you don't have to live by those labels of the past. You can start living as a child of God who's experiencing the freedom of his forgiveness. And because you know he loves you, it's easier for you to love other people. You don't have to get something from them, right? In our culture, love is very conditional. I love you if you make me happy. If you do things the way I want you to. If you fulfill all of my expectations, I'll love you. That's not love, friends. That's performance-based acceptance. Real love is I love you Period. I don't care how you act. I don't care how you treat me. I am going to love you because God loves me. And now I'm free to love you because I don't need you to do anything for me. God's already met my needs. So I want to get past my past and start living in the freedom, the power of the presence. Today, I want us to look at what the Bible says about making things right with others. You know, last week we said, I need to forgive those who hurt me and wronged me and offended me. I need to forgive those people. If I'm going to move forward in my relationship with Christ, I can't let bitterness grab hold of me and keep me. But there's a second part of that. And that is... If I'm the one that's doing the offending, I need to make things right with people. Do you know that some people are stuck spiritually? They cannot move because of an unresolved relationship where they are the offender. You've mistreated somebody, you've wronged them, you've hurt them, and you know about it. And you've just kind of swept it under the rug and refused to deal with it. And God says, hold everything. We are not going any further until this is made right. You know why God does that? Because he cares about relationships. And the way you and I handle relationships doesn't work. You have to handle it on God's terms for it to work. He designed us. He knows what works. So he gives us principles in his word that can set us free to really enjoy life. Listen, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. And God designed me to thrive. He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. I want the abundant life. And if I'm going to have abundant life, that means I have to obey God and set relationships right as much as is possible with me. There are some relationships you just can't put right. There are some, but the Bible says as much as is possible on your end, you need to set things right. Some people just won't be made right. They just won't. Some people, it doesn't matter what you do, you'll be wrong. Anybody know somebody like that? Okay, we do know people like that. It doesn't matter what you do. But that's not an excuse for you to absolutely ignore them. 
It's not an excuse. As much as is possible in you, be at peace with all men. That's what makes relationships work. If you don't do that, guess what? There's going to be this nagging thing that's hanging on to you. It's part of the guilt that we carry, and it just hangs on to you, and it won't let you go. And you can't make progress, and you can't walk with God the way He wants you to. You can't experience His blessing and freedom the way He wants you to, because there's this thing over here that you haven't dealt with. We're going to talk about how to deal with that today. There's a passage of Scripture. That's not it. <laughs> okay. Making things right is in Matthew. But let's take a look at... Uh, Let's take a look at these uh, slides here, please. Here's a guy that's trying to make things right. Now, he's trying, isn't he? How about her? Huh. Huh. You might experience that when you try to make things right. Huh. Well, it's about time. As much as is possible in you, be at peace with all men. Take a look at this one. How about that? I'm sorry. Those are great words. I'm sorry. Well, let me ask you a question. What are you sorry for? I'm sorry that I... Yes. I want to carry through. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. All right, take a look at this one. Walking in humility and asking for forgiveness tears down walls and builds bridges. Is that what we'd like? To tear down walls and build bridges? It requires that we walk in humility. Pride keeps me from moving forward in relationships. Always. Pride is a barrier that we cannot get past. If we want healthy relationships, pride must be crushed. There's no amens there. Listen, listen, let me say it again. It is absolutely true. If we want healthy relationships, pride must be crushed. Humility is something God wants for us, and it is the basis of healthy relationships. All right, take a look at this one. It takes a lot of courage to forgive someone. We talked about that last week. But here's what we're going to talk about today. It takes an even bigger courage to ask for forgiveness. When I'm the one who has offended you, when I'm the one who's wrong, one of the hardest things we do is go to people and say, you know, I was wrong. And I'd like to ask for your forgiveness. But when you humble yourself and take that step, it goes a long way to healing the relationship. 
Will you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5? I'd like to read this great passage. Jesus is speaking. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Are you there yet? If, if you're there, say amen. All right, Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And that's certainly the law, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. So the scribes and Pharisees were concerned about the act of murder. Well, that's, that's really important. The act of murder is an evil act. But Jesus goes further than that. He says, I'm not just concerned about the act. I'm concerned about the heart that was behind it. Here's what he says. I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, that's like calling somebody an idiot. Raka is like calling somebody a stupid or ugly. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, which is a curse. In the first century, to call somebody a fool was to judge their character in a condemning way. Whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, Jesus says, if you bring your gift to the altar, if you're in a worship service, if you're there to worship God, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Let me just kind of quickly summarize those last few verses. What they're saying is this. God knows everything about you and everything about every relationship you've ever had. And he pays attention to the way you treat others. He pays close attention. And if you've mistreated somebody and haven't made that right, God will make sure you pay for it. That's what that's saying. So some of us have been stuck in our spiritual life We've been stuck spiritually. We can't seem to really connect with God because we haven't taken care of a matter that is in our past. We didn't take care of it, and it's still standing right there, and it's staring God in the face. And he says, listen, I don't want your worship. I don't want your devotion. I don't want your songs. I don't want your love gifts. Go and make things right. Hello? Is anybody enjoying this? 
It's truth, but it's not enjoyable truth, is it? It'll set you free. This passage, we're going to look at it a little more closely, and then I, I want to give you some practical guidance about making things right. Let me just give you this disclaimer. Some of you have relationships from the past, and you're thinking already, there's just no way I can possibly make things right. I, there's just no way. And I want to say to you this. If you will say to God, show me anything that you want me to make right, and I will make every attempt to make it right. God will not only take over and help you, He will actually orchestrate the events. He'll bring them together so that you can be right, because God wants you to be free more than you want to be free. He will actually bring the person across your path that you need to make things right with. He'll do that. If you'll say to him, God, I want to make things right. I want to be in right relationship with you, and I want to be in right relationships with others, and please show me anything that's hindering me from my walk with you. You do that sincerely, he'll take care of it. That's his promise. So let's look at this passage a little more closely. Let's see what it actually says. An interesting passage of Scripture where Jesus is speaking about our relationships with each other. And in verses 21 and 22, Jesus is giving us the real meaning of the commandment, you shall not murder. The rabbis, the scribes, the Pharisees were only concerned about the act of evil, but Jesus was concerned about the attitude of our hearts. So Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother, then you're in danger. Anger destroys relationships. You can write that down. Anger destroys relationships. One more time. Anger destroys relationships. And if you're seething underneath all of that stuff that you're trying to keep bottled up, it's going to come out and it destroys relationships. So you have to deal with that anger and God tells us how to deal with it. Anger, if left unchecked, will simmer in the heart. It'll turn to bitter words, and bitter words will eventually turn into condemnation of a person's character. Notice the progressions in the text. The sinfulness of our hearts creates this anger towards a person, and usually, usually, it's really not a big deal. We just get angry because of something they said or did. Sometimes there's real deep hurt. And we respond to that with anger. That's the first progression. The second is, when that anger gets a hold of us, it turns into bitter words. So every time we talk about this person, it comes out in bitterness. Bitter words. Raka, that term of insult. Well, you know, that person, they're just stupid. They're idiots. They're morons. They're boneheads. They're, you know, whatever words you're using to describe that person. 
And then the third progression, right? Anger turns to bitter words. The third progression is the character condemnation. To call a person a fool was to say that they are godless and wicked. And let me just say this. There's a reason Jesus said, do not judge. You don't know what's in a person's heart, and you don't know what their history is, and you don't know what brought them to where they are. So stop judging others. Just stop it, because you don't know their hearts. Only God knows their hearts. Stop the condemnation. When you start condemning somebody, you are putting your place in the state of being God. You're taking His place. And God doesn't take kindly to people taking His place. How many of you, I'd, I'd like to show of hands, how many of you realize you cannot change other people? How many of you realize that? Amen, good. You can't change others. The only person you can change is you. You can't change your spouse. You can't change your children. Much as we'd like to. You can't change those people. Only God can do that. And so one of the best things you can do is say this. I can't fix this. Would you say that with me? I can't fix this. What is it that you can't fix? That person. That relationship. You can't fix it. Only God can fix it. And so the best thing you can do is say, I can't fix this. And let God handle it. He's the one who's able to fix it. He's the one who can heal the heart. He does amazing work when we let him. So verses 23 and 24, this is such a serious matter that the Lord Jesus instructs us to leave the worship service and go take care of it. Make things right with the people we've wronged or offended or hurt. Make it right. We often think of worship as being the highest priority. But here the highest priority is right relationships with others. You think God is pleased with that relationship that's broken and no effort's been made to heal that relationship? You think he's pleased with that? Notice the language in verse 24. Leave your gift at the altar and go. The Greek verb here that's used describes an intense action. It means I'm going to do this even if I have to travel to do it, even if I have to take time to do it, even if I have to overcome obstacles to do it. I'm going to make things right as best I can, as much as is possible in me. I'm going to do this. It's an intense action that Jesus expects. So if you want a right relationship with God, you want to walk with Him, and you want to experience that freedom and joy and peace, and you want to know His blessing upon your life, and you want to know the leadership of the Holy Spirit, then this is one of those things you've got to take care of. I'm asking God right now to speak to your heart about any relationship that needs to be made right. I'm asking him to do that. While I'm preaching, I'm asking him to speak to your heart about any relationship that needs to be made right. And I want that for you. For your benefit. I also want it for the benefit of Eastside. Because a whole church can be held up because they've mistreated somebody. 
Hello. Hello. Are you with me? A whole church can be held up because they have mistreated somebody. Now, it doesn't take kindly to that. Every person on the planet was made in his image. When you mistreat others, when you harm them and you don't make it right, you are slapping God in the face. He doesn't take kindly to it. And he will just back up and fold his arms and say, okay, you want to handle it? Go ahead. You want to do life on your own? Go ahead. See how it works for you. I'm, I'm like you. I want the blessing of God. I need the blessing of God. I want to experience His grace and freedom. and I want His power on my life. I want the power of Christ operating in me because I don't like life apart from Christ. I want that. I need that. I desire that. And friend, if you're walking with the Lord, it's something that should grip you. I want to be in a right relationship with every person. It'll make you so sensitive that if you even thought you offended somebody, you'll go right to them. And by the way, if I've offended anybody here, (laughs) I honestly don't know about it. So if I have... Chalk it up to my ignorance. And do me a favor. Come tell me about it. Right? Because I want to be in the right relationship with you. Helps me in my relationship with God. (laughs) Somewhere in my past. If you know somebody that you've wronged or hurt or offended, it's important to make every effort to be reconciled. Sometimes, as I've said, it's not possible, but you should make every effort. And and if you're stuck and you don't know how to do that, may I encourage you to talk to a trusted friend, a Christian counselor, or talk to a pastor. And they'll give you guidance, and they'll help you, and they'll pray with you so that that can be made right. Verses 25 and 26 are are commentaries, really, on the previous verses. Jesus is referring to the common practice of throwing somebody into prison for an unpaid debt. He's driving the point home. The time for reconciliation is now. Don't wait another minute. We're not to allow bitterness or anger or hatred or any other sin to separate us from people whoever they are. We need to make things right with others. And the greater point to the whole passage is this. We want to be in a right relationship with God. He's made every possible uh, provision for you and I to have this right relationship with Him. And when we have a right relationship with God, it's amazing how many things in our lives really work the way they should. And when we're not in that right relationship... Things just don't work. They crumble and they don't fit together and they come out sideways. So how can I be reconciled to the one I have hurt, wronged, or offended? I want to give you 
five things here that are important to consider today. Just five real quick steps of action. First of all, admit specific actions and attitudes. When you're talking with the person, the pride is going to keep you from admitting your faults. You might say something like this, if I've done anything to offend you, but see, that's pride. That's a cop-out. That's not going to work. You already know you've done something to offend them. When you say, if I've done anything to offend you, I'm sorry, what you're basically saying is, hey, get over it. And I know sometimes you want to say that, but that's not going to make the relationship right. You have to own whatever it is that you did. Even if it's a small part, you have to own that. And humility will allow you to confess your part of the wrong that was done. Be very specific. You know what? I was wrong to yell at you. You know what? I should have picked up the phone and called you. I'm sorry for neglecting our relationship. You know what? Back then, I was selfish and bullheaded, and I'm sorry, and I treated you wrongly, and would you please forgive me? Now, those words just are powerful, and they can bring people together, and God is blessed, and He is pleased, and then He's free to bless you. When you make those things right, when you take that step and go further, I want to apply this our marriage relationships. <laughs> so I'll stand here beside my wife so she can slug me if she needs to. Um, I don't really always do things right. Sometimes I snap at my wife for no good reason. The other day, we were looking for some paperwork, and it was making me tense because we couldn't find it. You know, it was financial paperwork. I mean, where is this stuff? How come you don't know where this is, honey? Why don't you know? Why aren't you better at doing this? And no, 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 no. You know, I was snapping at her. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, Hey, you! That's not the way you treat your wife. You do not blame her for these things. So immediately I go to her and I said, Honey, I'm really sorry for snapping at you. You didn't deserve that. It's not your problem. It's my problem. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Yes, of course I'll forgive you. And I went back to her a second time. And I said the same basic thing. And then I went back a third time. And I did go four times to her to make sure things were right. Why? Because I want a right relationship with my wife. I don't want to offend her or mistreat her. I want a right relationship with her. When you have oneness with your spouse, it's glorious. And when you don't have it, it's lonely. You are isolated and lonely. And that's the devil's playground. He wants you to move toward marital oneness. So be specific. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I shouldn't have snapped. I shouldn't have treated you that way. I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. I was impatient and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Be specific. It really helps. Don't just say, sorry. That doesn't get it. 
Ask God to help you be specific about actions and attitudes. Pride will keep you from admitting your faults, but humility will help you. Second thing, don't make excuses. Here's an excuse. Well, if you didn't mess up, I wouldn't have yelled at you. Have you ever known people that it didn't matter what happened, they uh, seemed to work things around to where it was your fault? Have you ever known people like that? Just irritates you more, doesn't it? So don't be that person. Don't be that person. When you're going to make things right, don't be the person who always shifts the blame. Own it. There was a person right here in this church that uh, came to me and said, I am really sorry for the way I spoke to you. And I want you to forgive me. He did exactly what Scripture says they should have done. Do you know that today there's absolutely nothing standing between me and that person I can look at right in the eye? They look me right back in the eye. You know, I like it when people look me in the eye. That says to me, there's nothing standing between us. And, and I like that. And you know what? I want that for you and for all of us. I want that kind of freedom. And it doesn't come without some sacrifice on our part to make things right. Go back and say, listen, I want things to be right. I've actually said to people before, you know, there was a time when you and I could look at each other in the eye and smile, and now we can't do that. And whatever it is that I need to do to make that right, I want to do that. This goes a long way in healing the relationship. Don't make excuses. Reconciliation requires that I own up to what I've done. It's not an apology if I say, I'm sorry, but you made me do it. Stop rationalizing sinful behavior. Nobody makes you sinful. You are just sinful. So just own that. Say, so, you know, I'm a sinful person and I act in an unkind way sometimes. And I was unkind to you and I said some things that I'm really sorry for and please forgive me. Thirdly, accept the consequences. There are consequences to sinful behavior. If I put a nail in this wall over here, if I just come over here and I took a hammer and I just put a nail here, I can say, well, there's a nail. I'm sorry I did that. And take that nail out. Well, guess what's still there? There's a hole. Sometimes there are consequences in our lives to wrong treatment of others. You just have to be willing to accept the consequences, whatever they are. Whatever it is that you said, it may have hurt the relationship so badly that it won't ever get back to where it once was. I'm telling you this, the power of Christ can really make a difference. Power of Christ can transform that relationship. 
if you're willing to humble yourself and go to somebody and say, you know, I was wrong, I want to make this right, boy, it's amazing what God can do. And sometimes he can make the relationship even better than it ever was. Because people then know they can trust you because you're not going to mistreat them and you're not going to continue to be stuck under the fire. So accept the consequences, whatever they might be. Be willing to do that. Realize that when I seek reconciliation with somebody that I've wronged, it might cost me something to make it right. It might even cost me the relationship. It might cost me a job. But obedience to God will bring blessing out of the hurt and out of the wrong. Number four, change your behavior. This might require some counseling, particularly if you have anger issues. You yell at somebody and then apologize for it and then turn right around and yell at them again. That's not going to fly. You're truly sorry and you want to change your behavior. God's going to help you. He will give you the grace and power to change. It's amazing what true humility can do in a person's heart and mind. The good news of the gospel is we really can change because of Christ. When he's your Savior and Lord, through the power of Christ, you really can change. You don't have to be that person you always were. We don't have to be stuck in a pattern of selfishness and anger. We don't have to be controlled by sinful desires. We can be changed by the grace and power of Christ. Amen. Let's try it again. We can be changed by the grace and power of Christ. It is the truth. I mean, why did Jesus come? He came to rescue us from sin. He paid the price for our sins, dying on the cross so you and I could be free from the dominant power of sin. He paid the penalty of sin. God crushed Christ at the cross. Beat him with anger and wrath and all against your sin at the cross. He crushed Christ at the cross, beating him with his wrath, paying for your sin and mine so we could be free. And why would you then allow sin to control your life? The power of Christ can change you. That's the hope of the gospel. This same God who raised Jesus from the dead is able to raise you right out of anger, right out of bondage, into glorious freedom. And he wants that for you, and I want that for you. Does it happen like this? It doesn't. You could be saved like this, but the Holy Spirit is going to keep working. He's going to keep working in your life. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. He's constantly working in our lives. I read uh, last week a statement by John Piper. He's an excellent preacher and author. I really enjoy him. But here's what he said. At any one time, God is doing 10,000 things in your life. You might be aware of three of them. 
God is at work in you to set you free, to conform you to the image of Christ. He is constantly working to accomplish that. And the power of Christ can set you free. It can heal relationships. And what glory would God get if a relationship that was broken has been healed? What glory for Christ? That's what the world wants to see. Let me see your relationships work. When they do, it's wonderful. Good. Last thing. Ask for forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? These are powerful words when spoken in true humility. Would you please forgive me? Here's some more. I was wrong. Please forgive me. These words can start the process of healing deepest wilderness. How many of you need to make a decision today and go and make things right? You know, you, you realize that there's something that needs to be taken care of. There's not any better time to make things right with God than right now. He's a loving and faithful God. Perhaps there's somebody here that needs to ask for God's forgiveness today. There's somebody that would say, well, I need God's forgiveness. I need to be saved. I wonder if there's somebody here today that realizes, you know, I've, I've never asked God to forgive me. I've never trusted Him. As my Savior, I've never committed my life to Jesus Christ. And I want to be forgiven, and I want a relationship with God, and I need to be saved. Is there anybody here that fits that today? God's been speaking to you. If, if that's you, if I'm talking about you, and you need a relationship with God, and you've never really asked Him to forgive you, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. And here's the reason why I ask you to stand up. If you can't stand up in here, where everybody's cheering you on and everybody's supporting you, you will never stand up out there. So I, I'm just going to ask you, if that's you and you need Christ, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And, and I assume that if you're still seated, you already know Christ. All right? These are words that came from Jesus. This is not my plan to help you get things right. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. It's what He desires. And I wonder if you'd join me right now in prayer with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's talk to the Father.